Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to week four of our series where we're studying the book of Daniel. I want to welcome you if you're joining us digitally online or here in person. Super glad that you're here. My name's Stephen and I'm one of the pastors here. We've been in a study over the last several weeks through the Old Testament book of Daniel. Today we're jumping into week four. That means we had three other messages before. I want to encourage you, if you haven't, we have been building through the book of Daniel. So we have three other messages. You can download those on the Vintage Church app. Watch those there. All the notes are there. I want to encourage you, get caught up. Daniel is absolutely changing our perspective as a spiritual family on what our role is in a increasingly divisive and wicked Culture. Today we're looking at yet another encounter that Daniel has, not with King Nebuchadnezzar, but with his grandson Belshazzar in chapter 5. Last week we studied chapter 3 and we saw at the end of that passage where once again King Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the greatness and the sovereignty of the God of the Bible. He sees the miraculous deliverance that God gave to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from his fiery furnace and he declares in the whole kingdom in Daniel chapter 3 29 there is no other God who can deliver like this finally you're thinking Nebuchadnezzar is seeing how powerful God is how sovereign he is right well not so fast because from chapter 3 to chapter 4 we see that yet Nebuchadnezzar has another dream in chapter 4 In this one, a mighty tree grows up to the sky. Then it is mowed down to nothing but the stump. This dream clearly, clearly troubles Nebuchadnezzar. So he goes down the road searching out the dream's uh, interpretation. Once again, Daniel comes in and he deciphers the dream in chapter 4. The dream is foretelling Nebuchadnezzar's future. The dream suggests that Nebuchadnezzar will basically go mad for seven years due to his intoxication with selfishness and pride. He will live outside as a wild animal eating grass. And at the end of that time, he will truly see the dominion and power of God. And his understanding will return to him only after he acknowledges God. All of this happens according to God's word. I want to encourage you. We're going to study chapter five today, but I want to encourage you this week in your small groups, with your spouse, with your family, on your own, read chapter four. It's an amazing passage of scripture. As we come on the scene in chapter five, lots of things have changed in Babylon. Okay. The year is now 539 BC and almost 70 years has passed since Daniel and his friends were exiled and brought into Babylon. Daniel is now over 80 years old. King Nebuchadnezzar has been dead for 24 years Now his grandson, Belshazzar, sits on the throne of this quickly shrinking empire now comprised only of the walled city of Babylon. Outside the walls, as we come on the scene, the mighty Medo-Persian army is surrounding Babylon. Yet in the city, the residents feel secure because they're surrounded by massive walls that stretch at least 15 miles around the entire city. I want to show you a couple 
pictures of the Babylonian city here in these walls. It's absolutely incredible. You see this big Babylonian uh, wall that surrounds, and you, 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 man, it's crazy. The walls are up to 300 feet tall in some places, 85 feet wide. That's wide enough for four chariots to drive on one next to the other around the top of the wall. It had over 100 watchtowers to offer excellent protection for the city. The Euphrates River runs diagonally through the city and the walls are built over the water so that no floating army could enter the city by surprise. Finally, the city contains a 20-year stockpile of food and supplies. Those surrounded... The people of Babylon feel unconquerable. They think they can withstand any siege. They're an incredibly proud people. So we pick up Daniel chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. And we see what's going on in downtown Babylon at the palace. Belshazzar, the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar the king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from God's temple in Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Verse 3, Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now, according to scholars, the date is October 12th. They know this. They can break this down. October 12th, 539 B.C. All over the city, the citizens are excited because the king's throwing a massive wild party there's over a thousand nobles. All of the best of Babylonian society are invited with their wives and their concubines, counting guards and various onlookers. The, the overall crowd was likely 8,000 people. And evidently, the party gets off to a great start. No one knows when the idea first comes to King Belshazzar, but at some point, he decides to bring out the gold and silver vessels that had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem almost 70 years earlier. The king calls his servants and whispers this command. Within a few minutes, they're carrying the holy vessels. This was an incredibly, this is important, this was an incredibly sacrilegious thing to do as they pass around the articles of the temple, God's temple in Jerusalem, from one person to another, giving praise to pagan gods. Someone begins to sing a song of praise to the gods of Babylon, but then God crashes the party in the midst, and it is in dramatic fashion. Without warning, a dismembered hand begins to write on the plaster wall in the royal palace. No body, no face, no torso, just fingers writing on a wall. When the king sees the words being formed on the wall, the color drains out of his face, and he turns white as a sheet. Just as suddenly as this hand appears, the hand vanishes, but the words remain. And the four words in Aramaic, the trade language of the day, are mene, mene, tekel, upharsin. The king calls for the astrologers and the enchanters. The man who figures out what the four words mean will be made third, the highest ruler in this kingdom. It's the chance of a lifetime, but they have to be able to do it, but they can't. All the king's astrologers try, and every one of them fail. Does this scenario sound 
familiar from decades earlier. It's getting late now, and in another part of the palace, the queen mother, likely Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, is getting ready for bed. When she hears the shouts from the banquet hall, she comes in and surveys the scene and realizes what's happening. And here's what she does. She immediately remembers Daniel. She says in verse 12, call for Daniel and he will give the interpretation. Daniel is an old man now, over 80 years old. He enters. He was once a teenage hostage of Nebuchadnezzar's. Now he's an old man. Daniel wasn't on the original invitation list, but he was called when the chaos broke down. You know, there will be times as believers, there will be times when we are committed to God and we're committed to living God's way where we may not get invited to all of the parties. But here's what I've learned as a believer. When, when, when things get rough, when things get tough, you know who they're gonna call. They're gonna call the people who know and love God. It just always happens. You may not have been invited to every party, but you will get the call when trouble comes, just like Daniel. Listen to me. Don't ever underestimate the influence you have when you lead a godly life. Belshazzar offers Daniel the same deal he did to his wise men. If Daniel can interpret the four words written on the wall, the king will give him the robe of royalty, a chain of gold, solid gold, and he will be named the third highest ruler in all of Babylon. Now, Daniel here, an old man, a mature and godly man, flatly rejects the reward. He doesn't need it, and he doesn't want it. But he agrees to gladly interpret the meaning of the mysterious handwriting, and he proceeds to give Nebuchadnezzar's grandson a history lesson, a theology lesson, and a reading lesson. He reminds the king of what happened to his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, when he became arrogant and his heart was full of of pride. Look what Daniel says in Daniel 5.22. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. Belshazzar had heard the stories, had known the history. Daniel said, you should have learned from the past. Daniel goes on to give a theology lesson to point out that drinking wine from the sacred vessels and by praising the gods of Babylon, Belshazzar has actually set himself up against the God of heaven. Now I'm going to tell you something. You can have a lot of enemies, right? But one enemy you don't want is the God of heaven. Daniel says in Daniel 5, 26, this is the interpretation of each word written. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. These mysterious words are a message from God that Belshazzar's reign is over. His life will end soon and the kingdom of Babylon will be divided and given to others. The end of the story comes very quickly in Daniel chapter 5 verse 30. Belshazzar says that he was, that the story says that Belshazzar was slain that very night but no details given in scripture. Historians tell us that the city fell to the Medes and Persians in a surprise attack. Within hours of when Daniel gives this solemn message to the king, the Medo-Persian army enters Babylon almost without a fight through the Euphrates River. Before sunrise, Belshazzar is dead and the Babylonian Empire comes to an abrupt and inglorious end. And as we take a look back, we can learn so many things from this powerful story. I believe that there's several things you can learn from the handwriting on the wall that apply to us today. I want to encourage you with them. The first thing I want to encourage you with is to remember that God rewards the faithful. Daniel was 80 years old and still remained faithful to God. The stories we read are only a few brief moments of a great life 
because he put God first. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The next thing that I would say we learn is God resists the proud. God resists the proud. We see this theme of pride rising up, pride in your nation. And listen, listen, being proud of something isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when we talk about pride in Scripture, it's when that pride usurps God in your life. You're proud because you're good, because you're right, because you're awesome, instead of leaning into who God is. God resists the proud. Daniel 5.22 emphasizes that King Belshazzar knew the past. He knew his grandfather fell because of pride. We can sum up this truth in four statements. This is key. God allowed Babylon to become great. When they became great, their pride made them forget God. When they forgot God, they began to take God for granted. Don't miss this. When they took God for granted, they deteriorated and lost their influence and ultimately their kingdom. I'm just going to tell you, this is in Scripture for us today to learn from. We have always got to approach God in humility and reverence. Daniel 5 is in the Bible for a very particular reason. Everything that happens here could happen to us if we elevate ourselves and our pride above God. Solomon makes it clear in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. In the message translation, it reads this, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. What else do we learn from the handwriting on the wall, as we close, we learn that God judges the heart. God judges the heart. Here's a message for every single person listening to me right now, Christians and non-Christians alike. We know from many passages in scripture that God sees the motivations of our heart. You cannot hide from God. My advice to you as a believer is to be honest with God, engaging him in prayer. But if you're in here and you don't know God, my, my suggestion to you is stop trying to hide because you can't hide anyways. He sees everything, knows the inner motivations, thoughts, and intentions. Everything is laid bare in his eyes. The Bible says nothing's hidden from him. As we close, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage us as a spiritual family, to seek to emulate and follow the life of Daniel, not the life of Nebuchadnezzar and his grandson, Belshazzar. To those who haven't surrendered to Jesus, I'm gonna tell you something about God. First of all, you'll never be all that God's called you to be apart from a relationship with him, and you can't have that apart from a relationship with Jesus. God has the amazing ability to not only humble us as humans, but to raise us up and give us a fresh start if we'll allow him to. I love this passage of scripture in 1 John 1, 9. The word of God says to those far from God, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. I want to encourage you in here today as we wrap up week four in this series. If you're in here, first of all, and you're a believer, remember to check your pride. If you're in here and you don't follow Christ, remember God judges the heart. He sees you, he loves you. He's provided a way for you to have a relationship with him through Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I pray right now, Father, for each and every one of us in here. For those, Father, that are far from God, I pray that you would draw them by your Holy Spirit to believe upon the name of Jesus and to be saved, to lean into a relationship with the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. I pray, Father, for those of us that are continuing to follow you. We followed you for years. I pray that you would continue to encourage us 
and protect us, Father, from the pride that so easily puts the attention back on us instead of on your goodness and your grace. May everything we do this week bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you are in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.